Well, good evening. evening. Y'all sounded great. We could just sing if that's what you want to do. That's great. So, hear me, uh, if you will, for a second. Hear my heart here. You've heard me talk about folk religion and bumper sticker theology. And one of the things that we as Christians recognize is that our salvation that is assured in Jesus Christ does not give us a free pass with the rest of our lives. We still have to go through stuff. And it's in the stuff that we go through that we find that a lot of that folk religion that is so prevalent in our day is, it it, it just comes up short. Because the reality is that there are things in our lives that absolutely derail us in our norm, our normal kind of living. And so we're going to come tonight. I know that last week was the first time we looked at Psalms of disorientation, but I want to get on the table now Psalms of new orientation. And we're going to kind of be back and forth a little bit between the disorientation and where God takes us from that. And so let me give you a couple of things to hang on to. And we're going we're gonna to be bouncing in and out of Psalm 40. And I'm not going to take the time to read the whole psalm at this point, all right? I hope that this uh, study tonight will kind of nudge you into your own personal study of Psalm 40. Because it is loaded with good information, good news and good truth for us in our daily lives. So how do you respond? I'm not, I don't want, I, really, I guess I don't really want you to answer out loud here, but I do ask the question to try to trigger your thinking, all right? When things are not going well, how do you tend to respond to that? Now, one of my dad's fa- favorites, my dad's kind of a smart aleck, uh, and uh, I like that about him. Uh, and he always had these, kind of statements that he could make that just made you think. That was one of his real um, gifts, I think, was making people think. And so uh, I heard him talking to a staff member one time. He was a senior pastor, and we several of us were uh, support staff with him, and something clearly was wrong with this other guy. And so he said, are you okay? And... Uh, the guy answered, well, you know, I'm, I'm okay under the circumstances. And my smart aleck dad's response was, well, what are you doing under there? <laughs> See what I mean? He's a smart aleck, right? But he does make you think, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so if I say under the circumstances, don't use that on me again, all right? Because I have a response because I have practice with him. <laughs> but... Uh, I, you know, I think there's a lot of useful truth in his little deal there. But I also will say to you that it can be a very callous and maybe even spiritually prideful response to people who are genuinely underneath the circumstances. The reality is that we have those, those what we've, and I'm put in the context of the Psalms here, we have those those psalms of orientation with established truth, that those truths that give us this sense of balance in our life and sense of security. 
We have those. Psalm 23 is one of those and many other ones. We've looked at a few in these studies lately. Uh, and those things, those psalms particularly, become part of our everyday lives. Those are the ones that we tend to memorize or at least pieces of them. And those are important for us. But we come up against from time to time these situations in our life that really push us and they really challenge some of those kind of truths. And I, what I tried to do last week as we talked about Psalms of Disorientation is to kind of lay out the, this truth that it is okay when you get into those times of disorientation. It's okay. Matter of fact, I would say it's necessary that you call it what it is. This is a hard situation. And I know these truths and I hold on to these truths. But today, this is hard. This is a tough situation for me. Call it what it is. And we have great foundation for that throughout the book of Psalms and other places in Scripture. You know, Moses was pretty, pretty good about going to God and saying, you know, I'm not real happy about this situation. <laughs> uh, so I, 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 we've been there, and I want to kind of lay that out there for you. But I want to come back and say, so for us, how do you respond in those times of disorientation, those times when life and the situations of our life push us out of that sense of balance. And so that's where we pick up again. Obviously, psalms of new orientation come out of, psalm, out of these times of disorientation. All right? So what we found in the psalms is the psalmists give us permission to call those situations what they are. Okay, so now let's just, so you catch the disorientation in the first part of what we just read. Let's jump to some more disorientation that David gives us. Do you catch David's move? He's, he's, he's this, it's this moving back and forth between things are not well to I stand on these truths back into things are not well and this hopeful cry that maybe things could be okay. If David can do, I said this last week, if David, who Scripture refers to as a man after God's own heart, can be that honest with God, then it's probably okay if we can be too. And so let's consider for a moment how people, Christian people especially, tend to deal with the times of disorientation where, where our equilibrium is off and our spiritual vitality seems to be uh, a struggle. How do we do that? It's, it, it's easy for us to look at a passage like this and just reduce David's situation to what I call tough sledding. Like, you know, the Road Trammel family motto, one of them, we have many, uh, none of them are all that great really, but uh, one of them is when we go through struggles, here's our Road Trammel family motto, suck it up. Okay. It worked when my son broke his arm, so it might as well work for... It didn't work when my son broke his arm, actually. That was a bad day um, for me. How do we... So let's don't reduce what David's talking about to tough sledding. Some, one of the ways that we tend to deal with tough situations uh, is to kind of push them aside as if they're not that big a deal. But the reality is that some struggles that we go through we lose a piece of ourselves. I, I, church I served in South Texas, we had, I had a couple of young staff members. And uh, so they kept challenging me, talking trash. And I'm fairly competitive. 
And uh, so they started talking trash about Frisbee golf, disc golf, they call it. Now, they didn't know that I used to skip class in high school and go play Frisbee in the park. So they had no idea what they were getting themselves into. And so they challenged me to a game of Frisbee golf. And so we went out to the local Frisbee golf place, and it was around this little collection area where drainage from that part of the city all went down into this one spot. It was a great place for them to put a a disc golf course because we never got enough rain there to fill that stuff up. And so we start playing, and you play around the edges of it, but it's not like just an edge. You have to go across, and, you know, they have all these different configurations. And so at one point, one other thing about me is I'm real cheap. And so I, th- I threw my disc, and uh, the, the sun got in my eyes or something, and I didn't throw it very well. It was a terrible throw, and it went right out into the middle of that area of collection. It wasn't wet. I mean, excuse me, it wasn't like water, but it was boggy. And I found that out as I walked out to get my disc, and I went down about two feet almost. I was almost up to my knee in mud. And so when I pulled my leg out, my shoe stayed in the bottom of that. I'm pretty cheap. That's a word from on high right there. I want you to know. I thought to myself, there's not a way in the world I'm digging down there for that $4 Walmart shoe that I had on. Sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes the struggles we go through in life keep a part of us. And depending on how deep the struggle is, sometimes it keeps big parts of us. You know that, whether it's family issues or just your own struggles that you go through. Sometimes we go through stuff and we don't come out on the other side the way we went in. And that's just part of life. And so it's, it's not really good for us to just blow this off as if David could get by if we just said to him, hey, you need to suck it up. It's a very real thing. I'll show you what I mean by that here in just a moment. Another part of that is sometimes the struggles, this is often, the struggles are deep enough that they just absolutely wear us out physically, emotionally, and sometimes spiritually. I've told you before that I took a bunch of teenagers backpacking up in the Pecos wilderness outside of Santa Fe when we lived in Hobbs. And so the, the guys that I used were seasoned backpackers, including my brother and a cousin of mine and some others. And those guys went every year. They'd been going every year for over 15 years at that point, if I remember right. And uh, so I used them to help us plan this trip so that we didn't have any, any guys wandering out without their whistle or anything. And um, so we decided we needed to take a trip up there, make sure the campsites were what they needed. And we were going to be taking them in June. And so we, the only time we could go was at the end of April. I don't know how many times you've been up in the high country of New Mexico at the end of April, but there's still plenty of snow at 10,000 feet. And so we didn't really know that as we started out. Uh, We were fairly well dressed for the elements that day, but we didn't believe or know that we were going to be breaking snow that was at least waist deep. And we did that for a couple of hours. You take a step and you go all the way down. And so then you have to pull your leg out and take another step and go all the way down. 
You know, you don't make very good time doing that. And a number of factors start weighing on you. First of all, you know snow's wet, right? <laughs> and it's cold. And so you do that very long and you start, you, you're working hard. So your body is working hard. But you're having uh, issues with cold and all that comes with that. By the time we got uh, back to our car that day, I was, I was as physically exhausted as I've ever been. Except when we had family members who started going through real struggles in their lives. And it was on for weeks and months at a time. That constant, every day, what are we going to do? What's he going to do? What's she going to do? What's God going to do? Our struggles and the kind David's talking about here have a way of keeping part of us and absolutely wearing us out. And we could easily say that's what David's going through here is that kind of stuff. But the reality is David's talking about something that is very spiritual in the struggle here. He's using terminology here that refers to the Old Testament version and understanding of the underworld. Every step for them, he said, is contested, and it's treacherous, and it leaves us fatigued and sometimes hopeless. That's the first part of that, verse 2 especially, where he says, He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog. Let's hear from different translations for that first couple of lines of verse 2. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog. What's another translation say there? He also brought me up out of the horrible pit of the miry clay. Okay. Miry clay. Everybody have horrible pit or some reference to pit? Okay. That's, that's a term for the underworld. It, it, it's about a spiritual battle that he's talking about here. It's, it's not just being thrown into some kind of mud pit. A cistern, like, uh, was it Jeremiah that got thrown into a cistern? Right. By the way, that's not the female version of brethren. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to wait. I'll just, just wait and let everybody catch up. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's another thing my dad used to say. Sometimes your best shots go right over their heads. Um, so... <laughs> So um, he's using a term there that refers to a spiritual battle. The underworld for them is the, the realm of the dead. David said, essentially, if we put it in our terms today, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and he heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, from death. It was like living death. Let's not get so religious and high-minded in our thinking to believe that we're above the kind of struggle that David went through. As a matter of fact, I would say to you that the more progress you make in the maturing process in your spiritual life, you better be ready for this kind of battle. Satan is never more threatened by a Christian than he is when that Christian determines to be all that God called him to be. 
And so he turns up the heat on us from time to time. So, look at verses 12 through 15. I know we've already read that some, but let me just highlight a couple of things for you. This is back to that disorientation for evils have encompassed me beyond number. Listen, listen to the, the angst in David's words here. But one of the things we find, I'm sorry, let me, let me just throw this out. One of the things we find in these psalms that include disorientation like this is that we don't always get the full picture of what either caused it or what he is specifically going through. And, and it's, it's part of poetry. These are songs, right? And so part of what the psalmists do is they, they don't seek to explain everything theologically for us. They just let it out. This is what I'm going through. And so listen to David's angst and the stuff that he's going through. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. In other words, I'm surrounded. I'm outnumbered. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. Let me, by the way, my barber, that's not a joke. My barber <laughs> said that, you know that where you have the most hair on your head? This back part right here? There's more hairs per square inch than there is anywhere else. Now, well, he said that to me. Now, that might just be because there's nothing. No, he says that's true for everybody. That has nothing to do with what David said. I just want to give you a little trivia. ADHD sometimes just kind of comes out. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. You ever been there? You know, when we started and I asked you to talk about when God breathed life into stuff, every one of you, if I remember right, every one of you said it came out of a time something like this. Sometimes God in his grace allows us into times of disorientation. That's part of what I was preaching this morning. Sometimes in order to get us to go to the next level, God just turns the heat up a little bit. It doesn't make him unloving or unmerciful. It's just that his perspective is different. It's not about our, comf- about our comfort. It's about our growth. It's not about our growth. It's about everyone's growth, and he uses each of us in the lives of other people to help them grow too. Charlie, great example of that. In, in y'all's struggle, God did something with you, and now for 30-plus years, He's been using that with other people. By the way, that's in this psalm too, just in case you didn't know. Uh, I'm going to jump ahead of myself here since I'm not going to finish anyway. (laughs) Um, Notice, let's see if I can find these verses very quickly. Um, Yeah, verse uh, 16, I think it is. Uh, Let me back it up to verse 14, let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. And then David comes back to his own situation. But one of the things we find David doing here is this is what I'm going through. But I want to share this with you. I'm going to share it with other people. We find this in other places. 
as we go through this, verse 9, I have told the the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. In other words, he's saying, I'm letting people know. You know, it's dangerous when you're the king of the people of God when you get human enough to tell them, I'm hurting. One of the most influential books I read when I was in college was by a Catholic priest who gave permission to ministers to say to people, you know, I'm really struggling here. It's because I grew up in a church history that ministers suffered in private, ministers suffered in their offices, ministers suffered, you know, in our day, these days, we have recent reports of ministers who just have had it, and they go out and they take their lives. I'm going to tell you, you, you know enough from me, and I'm sure you know enough the rest of our staff here, not a single one of us are, are perfect, not even close. Some of us don't even know how to spell perfect, I don't think. <laughs> That's a good thing. Okay? So if, if David can say to people, I'm not in good shape here. I'm, I'm in a tough situation. But here's the orientation. Here's the truth that I hang on to in the face of that. That's what we find working through this. Let's go back a little bit. And uh, let's hear what David says in the last part of verse 1. Excuse me. Let me save that. I'll come back to that in just a moment. Um, So how do we respond to the pain that we have, to the situations that we go through? There are some of us who take it immediately to that orientation and we just rehearse those words and we keep throwing them out almost as if it's some kind of magic formula. If I just say this three times and click my heels, all the wrong stuff gets better. And you hold on to the truth, as I said, but sometimes just holding on to the truth you have doesn't get you out of the pain that you're in. The circumstance is much more complex than just being able to quote something like, for instance, the poem Footsteps. You know that poem? You know? And so, by the way, that, that's bad theology, just so you know. That, you know how the poem goes? I'm not trying to get you to take it down if you have it in your house, okay? I'm really not. But the bad theology of that is the reality is God carries you every step of the way, not just when things get hard. Unless it's like I was talking about this morning. Because some of us, not us, but some Christian people, take God and put him on the shelf and say, now I'll pick you up when I need you. That's another part of how we respond sometimes. Some Christians just hunker down. Is that a good term? Hunker down. That's a Snyderism. That I, you know what hunker down means? Okay. I didn't know that until I got married. <laughs> but I'm glad I learned it, just so you know. Just really glad I learned it. <laughs> sometimes when we face those situations, some of us just retreat. And we close shop. We pull our life, and maybe we pull a few people in with us, but most of the ones that I've known through the years don't. Teresa knows that this is one of my default things, is when things really get rough, I just kind of pull inside. And she's helped me to know that that's not really the best approach. We just hunker down. I, I saw this in the panhandle. We had a lady that used to keep our son when Teresa went to work while I was going to college, and 
uh, he was just a few months old when we got there, and she offered to keep him. Uh, and she and her family had survived a tornado up in, uh, further up in the panhandle. And I want you to know, she lost a thumb in the process, and it was the, it killed her mother. Okay, I didn't, I didn't remember that. And I want you to know, if a, if the sky started getting dark, she went to the cellar. She and she, you know, my concern with my son was that he would grow up thinking that he has to be afraid of a weather situation. Well, can't blame her from what she went through, right? And some of us do that when life really gets hard. We just kind of hunker down and draw in. Some of us cry out. Here's a good question. Remember what I said this morning, one way to pray? Okay, so God, where are you in this situation? Where is God in this? Some of us cry out, and I think that's where, really where David is here. If the cry out is, where's God in this, David's reply would have been, exactly. <laughs> where's God in this? And it's easy for us, not, maybe not easy, it's 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 fairly regular in our experiences that we can be in such a bind that our cry is, God, where are you in this? Because I don't see you anywhere. It's hopeless. Look at verse 1, first part of verse 1. I know that I'm jumping around. I told you I was going to do that, and you can go back and study the psalm as a whole and put it all together. But in chapter 40, verse 1, notice what he says. In English, mine says, I waited patiently for the Lord. What does yours say? I waited intently for the Lord. He might have something else. So the Hebrew translation, a very literal Hebrew translation here is waiting. I waited. It is an intense kind of waiting. That's where intently comes in, I think, for them. Waiting. I waited. The implication that David gives is that it wasn't an immediate response. I had to wait, and then I had to wait some more, and then I had to really wait, and finally I was waiting while I waited. Where's God in this? And then he comes through with a good piece of information. He inclined to me. The picture is of a parent leaning into their child to listen to what they have to say. God engages. It's not just this audible kind of voice from heaven. I hear you. The echo, you know, the cinematic effect. This is, this is a visual word. that God leaned in. And he inclined to me and he heard my cry. And then we come back to verse 2, which we've already talked about some. Verses 13 through 15 also mirror something of what I was preaching about this morning. That... Remember, a man who lives by faith is a man who lives on the verge of disaster because if God doesn't come through, he's sunk. We've looked at verses 13 through 15 a couple of times already, so I won't take you there now, but I will ask you this. When you read through some of that and hear what David is really saying, then what we might say is, where's your orientation now? The heat has been sufficiently turned up on him and others. So what does God do with us? Notice verse 2. The second part of verse 2 now. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog, excuse me, and he set my feet upon a rock. 
making my steps secure. So let me bring a little hiking into the story here. So um, Jeff and Bob Cook are teaching me the trails of this area and trying to help me get in a, a situation where it's not dangerous for me to be out there. And so two different hiking trips that we've done, we've done a number of them, but two of them especially, through the course of the day and the hike was sufficiently difficult enough, at least for me, that at the end of it, towards the end of it, I started, I call it losing my legs. You know what that means? <laughs> it's like my legs are going, we're done now. <laughs> the problem with that is my body's still halfway up the mountain. And you know, um, the down trip is really harder on your legs than the up trip is, right? And um, so what happens with me, and I've told you about some of my, you know, the viral infection I had in my spine a while back. I was walking with a cane and all that stuff. My leg, left leg would just give out. And so several times and I've been on the mountain like that and, and in the process of coming down that I had, to, I had to consciously think, don't step down with your left leg because it probably won't hold you. That's kind of the picture and the position that David seems to be in here. He, everything's off. But God, when he stepped in for David, he put my feet on a rock, solid place. It's not one of those after a rain that there's enough wash out around the rock that when you put your weight on it, it's going to give way and you're going to fall. It's not that. This is the bedrock. This is the place where I put, put my feet on it and I can put my weight on that and I can be confident that God is not going to drop me in this. It is a statement that defies the dif disorientation. It's not that the disorientation is not there anymore. It's not that the problem's over. It's that David is taken to a place where he's confident that God's not going to let him fall. We need that in those times. We've got to have it in those times. I remember when we first got the diagnosis that my mom had cancer. And I had to drive from South Texas to Huntsville. And I remembered the visuals of being in the hospital with my granddad, her dad. And I remembered the visuals of being in the hospital with her oldest sister as she died from cancer. And those images just kept flashing as I did that seven-hour drive, I think, from South Texas to where they lived. And it was in that that I just cried out, God, I, you know, you got to get us through this. And the word that God gave me in that, very personal, I'm not going to tell you exactly what that word was, but I will tell you this. Everything in the car changed when God said that. Everything changed. The situation was the same, but I wasn't the same. And here we are now, 10 plus years since. That was in 2000, 2001, so almost 18 years. And I'm different in those situations because of what God did with me that day. That's what David's talking about. That's the new orientation that you talked about when we started, that the situation is what it is. But when God steps in and he uses his word, David talks about that here. I'll let you go find that in there as you work through it this, this week. 
But when God steps in and says, here's a truth for you, everything around you may be the same, but you're not the same. And that word of Scripture that God gives you, and then he breathes life into it, and the Holy Spirit takes that, and he fashions it to the exact shape that you need for that moment. And it becomes your truth. It's not just a piece of Scripture somewhere anymore. Now it's your truth. That's what living by faith will do for you. It'll take you to a place that you haven't been yet. And God uses his word and he uses those circumstances for us. That's really where my dad was coming from. It's really great wisdom in what he said. Under the circumstances, what are you doing there? The reality is for a child of God, if you can hear and appropriate God's word, the circumstances be what they are. But you don't have to be underneath them. You don't have to be. It may take a while, and we need to be gentle with each other while people are trying to get there. But you don't have to live underneath them. It's a time of transformation. One last, or a couple of last things very quickly. Look at this threefold response. The latter part of verse 6. I love the language. Hebrews are very picturesque language, and this is an example of that. Look at verse 6. In sacrifice, this is what David learned, by the way. This is, uh, this is the new orientation. David said, in sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted. Now, let's, let's do a time out here. When you study scripture, okay, don't be in such a hurry to get through it that you miss what it says, right? It's not how much ground you cover, it's how much the ground covers you, okay? And so you stop and say, well, wait a minute. God spent about four books of the Old Testament talking about sacrifices, right? So when David comes and he says... In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted. What is he saying? Well, clearly, he didn't think that he didn't, that he, let me rephrase it. Clearly, David did not think he could stop doing sacrifices because he wanted to build a temple, right? And God said, no, you can't do it. Your son's going to have to do it for you. So David wasn't saying, let's just wash the whole system here. David's going to a new realization that involves the old but he's going to a new place. In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted. Listen to this. But you have given me an open ear. What did your translation say on that little phrase? My ears you have pierced. That's good. Somebody else? My ears you have opened. Literally, the, the, the word picture that is given here, the Hebrew language is, you have dug new ears for me. In other words, David's hearing things like he hadn't heard them before. You ever had that reality in your own spiritual life where God breaks through in something and all of a sudden you go, oh, I get that. Isn't it amazing how God can take his word that was written a span of time a long time ago and his Holy Spirit can take those words and push them into your situation and new life for you out of those words. That's one of the reasons I really push people to Scripture instead of other books because God enlivens His Word for us. He's preserved it for us. It's trustworthy and He enlivens it for us. Dave said, you've dug new ears for me. That's verse 6. 
verse 7, there's a response that he has. And he said, then I said, behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. That's the part that I said that he, he refers to scripture. And he's going to the scroll, the Torah. And he puts himself at God's disposal. And then the last thing is that sharing with others that we talked about. So in the morning services, this series that I'm preaching now, The Life, this is the life that I'm talking about. This this, that David is talking about is a life that is conspicuous to people. I keep saying that because I want us to hang on to that truth. In our society, in the world in which we live, the post-Christian society where sociologists and others tell us that the world has moved past Christianity, They cannot deny when one of God's people goes through the garbage of life and still comes out saying, blessed be the name of the Lord. Can't deny that. They can argue against what you say you believe all day long, but they cannot deny the life that is lived where Jesus Christ wins. Wins over circumstances, wins over situations, wins over opposition even that's the life David lived it out scripture says that I'll put it in my terms essentially God said of David that's my boy wouldn't it be great if that's what God thought about you that's my girl that's my boy he's mine (laughs) I, I, I still you call me crazy You wouldn't be the first. But I believe the Christian life properly lived is conspicuous and it's inviting. People who live life outside of what God brings, they go through this kind of disorientation all the time. They go through struggles all the time. That's why I think the scripture says, don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed to give testimony to the hope that is in you because that's what they need. So we have to live it. I'm not going to pray that the Lord would send you something that would throw your equilibrium off. I love you more than that. But I am going to tell you that I pray for you every day, for us as a church every day, that we would live conspicuous lives in this community so that people around us at any level of life would look at us and go, I think I want to know more about that. Let's pray. We'll let you go. So, Lord, we once again, we see your scripture. We're amazed at how something that happened in a context so different from ours so many years ago reaches right into the place that we put our feet down on the ground every day. So help us to be good students. Take us to places in our spiritual growth and development that we would never choose to go, but the places that you would have us to go so that we might be more like Jesus Christ. And as we come into contact with people and have the opportunity to share that life and your love, help us to be great bridge builders with them so that they too might experience the life that Jesus Christ gives. Thank you for this church. I thank you for these folks. Lord, we pray that you would take us into the week with your grace. We might be effective in your kingdom's work. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great week.